everyone. This is Dave DeBo here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from the Chicago area, we've got Mr. Sean Morrissey on the call. Sean, how are you doing this fine day? I'm great, Dave. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So you guys, Sean is a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. He's been in and around the real estate game since 2003. So that's quite some time. He's done all sorts of things. He's an active real estate investor himself. He's been involved as a, a realtor. And most importantly, from our standpoint, he's very experienced with managing properties. So he's, he manages his own portfolio. He manages properties for other people. And today we're going to really dial in on some really great tips, tricks, and strategies for self-managing your portfolio. So Sean, can't wait to dive into this. Yeah, that sounds great. Me too. Excited. All right, buddy. So let's start with this. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. I'm sure you've learned a lot of hard lessons and you've seen a lot of other people get into the real estate game and probably get out quite quickly after trying to self, <laughs> self-manage their properties, dealing with tenants and toilets. I've still got nightmare memories of that whole experience myself. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making when they start self-managing? And maybe we can look at what not to do and then compare and contrast that with what is a much better idea. What to do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Dave, the first thing that comes to mind is not having a system that's been you know, tried, tested, and one that's really been used by perhaps you know, a previous mentor or coach or something of that nature. So when I talk systems with property management, there's really four key components that go into that. And the first is going to be your leasing system. The second of which is going to be your rent collection system. The third is going to be your, you know, your repair and maintenance system, how you're going to manage those repair calls as they come in. And the fourth is really how you're going to inspect those properties to make sure that the tenant's adhering to the lease and that the home's taking care of your, your tenant, your resident. So you know, folks that just say, hey, I'm excited and ultimately I'm just going to buy my first rental property, this place cash flows without a system in place that really support those four key components, you know, will eventually come across some kind of nightmare scenario, either with a tenant not paying rent or not having the support system in place when it comes to a repair is, is really what I would see as most common. And then we'll ultimately, you know, be forced to adjust, I suppose. So just kind of playing devil's advocate, I mean, four systems, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, leasing, getting paid, getting places <laughs> repaired and doing inspections, all very, very important. Now, if somebody's saying, well, you know what, Sean, I've, I've got like one rental property. Do I have to, it sounds pretty complex. Do I have to have four separate systems all set up for that? Can't I just kind of wing it? Yeah, I, I suppose that's a good way to play devil's advocate, but rarely do I come across an investor that says, I am going to buy one property <laughs> and that's going to set me to the pathway of you know financial freedom or whatever their goals might be. But if that is the case, then you know, perhaps you figure it out. But honestly, when I think back when I got started in 2003, and granted, it was a different time back then, 18 years ago, I didn't have all these grandiose plans. I ultimately was like, I'm going to learn as I go to a certain degree. You know, I had, let me take a step back. Back in those days, anybody with a heartbeat could buy a house, right? So at the end of the day, the tenant pool wasn't particularly strong. And I eventually came across a scenario back in I believe it was 2005, where I had to settle up on my first eviction. Mm. And I understood the basics, right? But I didn't have my people in place to assist me. 
And quite frankly, I didn't quite know if I was adhering to the rules correctly within our, our particular county. So whether you have one property or whether you've got 10, 20, whatever the case might be, eventually you're going to be challenged. And it's really setting yourself up for those challenges that you want to prepare for. So yeah, you know, that's what I'm, I'm hoping to do here today is just talk about that in a little depth. Well, let's, let's talk about each of these systems and maybe a few nuggets, a few tidbits that people can take away from, uh, from this for you. So number one, leasing. So what would be some, your number one tip on setting up a leasing system or leasing more effectively? Yeah. So there's really a few things that come to mind. Number one, you want to have a system in place to take great photos, right? Because photos are the names of, name of the game. And, you know, we could talk video in that respect too, but given where we're at in the marketplace, especially here in the Chicagoland area, quality photos go a long way. Number two. Uh, well, well, first, let's back up for a second. Sure. Okay. Setting up a system for, for great photos. That sounds great, but you know, sorry, are you, are you telling me that it ain't going to cut it if I go into the house with my with my iPhone and snap a few pics? What, what are you suggesting that people do instead? Yeah, I mean, honestly, having some kind of, well, let me put it this way, having, you know, a tripod or some kind of phone stabilizer in your case, Dave, so that you're making sure you've got nice level shots, making sure your lighting is adequate, goes a long way, going as far as photo editing software. I'm not necessarily saying you go out there and pay $150 every time you have a vacancy to have photos recreated for you by paying a photographer per se, but making sure that you've got the really the lighting, the stabilization factor, and boy, the, the quality of photo that's yeah. going to the carry down the road. So any any tips on taking effective photos? I mean, with, besides the tripod and, and good lighting, like certain angles, because I see some photos of properties are kind of like this widescreen weird morphed looking thing and and all this kind of stuff any tips on that yeah i mean i'm always i'm always a fan of taking shots at an angle never straight on particularly when it comes to rooms to add some depth and dimension to the photo i'm not a huge fan of the fisheye lens when it comes to creating a deceptive photo right so Mm -hmm. i think we've all looked at photos on you know be it realtor.com or zillow or whatever the case might be where you say boy, that backyard's huge, even though it's on a quarter of an acre. And it could be that that fisheye lens that does that to you. And what you want to do is you want to set the expectations so that when that that person, be it a buyer or a tenant, ends up visiting your property, you're going to exceed their expectations. So what good does it do you if you've got this fisheye lens that creates this massive shot of a backyard, and then they show up, look at the property and say, oh, now I'm disappointed. This isn't yeah. nearly as big as I thought. So you always want to set your photos up so that you're going to, I suppose, enhance the experience. But keep in mind that the majority of people are going to want to visit that property regardless. So you don't ever want to appear deceptive, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, fair enough. So you're probably taking these photos of the property vacant, unfurnished, if, if that's what your property is, that's that's the idea? Yeah, I, I think it could be it could be vacant or furnished, in my opinion. It's all going to come down to the quality of the furniture, how that furniture is laid out. If it gives you an idea of how that room can be used in a way that is going to tell that buyer or tenant so that they understand what that room is actually being used for, right? So an office might be a good example of that or a den where they, instead of just seeing you know two to three walls and wondering if this is a bedroom or what it might be, you know, actually having some office furniture in there is great, but it's, it's what you've got made available to you in the world right. of rentals, because quite frankly, given the market we're at right now, you don't need to stage your property for the purposes of turning it for rental. You can go, but, as, per, but perhaps if in your market where there is 
higher vacancy, then that might be something to take a look at. What yeah, about I, yeah. what about these uh, these things where you can put virtual furniture in the photograph? What what are your thoughts on stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I've experimented with that stuff. I feel like it always, to me, makes it look like the furniture is somehow floating in the air. So I don't know if it's if it's a perfect art yet. I could certainly see where that could be a more attractive tool as time goes by, but I haven't quite figured out a system where I that I've loved when it comes perfect. to virtual staging. All right, very good. So really good photographs. Thanks for the tips there. What next when it comes to leasing? Yeah, I mean, naturally, you want to make sure you're priced right, right? Mm-hmm. So having access to your local multiple listing service, having access to a realtor that'll share rental comparables with you uh, certainly goes a long way. And then you're going to want to have your price reflect what you're comfortable with and and not only generating your appropriate cash flow, but what the market's going to call for, right? So pricing it right is number two. Number three, in my opinion, is your application process, right? So there's so many different websites out there now where you can have somebody apply online, you know, supply their last month of pay stubs, and then you get the credit, criminal, and eviction background check process for a certain price. Make sure you find a site that you love and one that is easy for the tenant to understand. And so that ultimately they don't have to send everything in piecemeal format, where now you've got to match up the name of Joe Smith's pay stubs with the application they completed two weeks ago with the credit report they just supplied themselves. So having an application process is going to be huge. And then naturally having a lease template that you can fall back on that you're in love with. And that could be as easy as, again, contacting your local realtor per se, and using something that the realtor board is comfortable with, or it could be something that you have drafted by an attorney local to your area that has a lot of experiences with what's going on in your area when it comes to you know, potential tenant issues. So you know, two of my favorite clauses personally are when it comes to uh, pets, illegal pets, basically pets that the, the homeowner does not, the landlord does not uh, permit, you know, having the, a penalty involved there, and when it comes to additional occupants. And then having some clarification regarding security deposit, what it in, what it involves, what it can be kept for, what it can't be kept for, because those are all all things that in my marketplace folks may try to take advantage of, and you want to be sure that you've you know you got your butt covered. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave Debeau, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's bookachatwithdave.com. Yeah, for sure, Sean. So when it comes to those application sites, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of them out there. Is there one that's like pretty non-techie friendly for, for those folks that are watching this going, hey, that sounds great, but I don't want to have to spend a long time figuring this stuff out anywhere you'd point them? I mean, I'll just give folks the one that I love to use, uh, the website that I use. It's rentapplication.net. And through that website, you could basically set up your own application template. You're given your own application domain so that you can direct folks just strictly to that domain. And then, you know, it, it tends to cost $40. So it's a little on the pricier side with that particular website. But in my opinion, given the layout and the promptness in which you get information back, it tends to be a good one. And, you know, $40, here the- $40 per application or per month, or how does the how does $40 it- per adult applicant? Oh. And you could charge more than that if you want to. I don't use 
our application as a profit center, but you certainly could do that. And the other great thing about that website I should mention is, you know, depending on what market you live in. So here in Chicago proper, you are now not allowed to run a criminal background check until you've reviewed the rental application, the credit report, and the pay stubs. And then you can process the criminal background check in Cook County specifically. And that particular website is designed for that purpose. So okay. if you're in a market where that's on the horizon so that we're not discriminating against folks that have uh, felonies, you know, you may want to consider that website as an option or look for a website that ultimately is going to provide that option so that you, you're basically what you're doing is you're providing the address of the property before a criminal background check is provided. And then rent application takes it from there. So awesome. All right. Very good. So we've kind of covered some big, broad strokes when it comes to leasing. We aren't going to have time to go over all four of, of the categories, but maybe we can take a little look into the next one, which the next system, which you're talking about, which is um, getting paid. Yeah, rent collection, <laughs> right? I mean, your lease is going to set up the parameters of when rent is due, what's considered your late fee, but you've got to notify your resident how you're going to permit payment. And what, what, do you, what do you recommend these days? What do you find is works best for you, Sean? So what I like using, I, I've used Buildium as a property management software for some years. And the reason for that is I do some third-party property management as well as manage my own portfolio. But this day and age, again, there's all sorts of tools so that you can collect rent from tenants online. So let's take one that you know probably your listeners are familiar with, and that's you know Cozy. You, know, you can typically have tenants pay rent to you as landlord through Cozy at no cost, so long as they put in their account number, the routing number of their checking account. But typically, a lot of these websites will also allow your resident to pay by credit or debit card, but there's typically a fee associated to that. So it might be you know, 2.95%. Now, that fee typically doesn't go to you as the landlord, but it goes to the software company. So that's always a little bit frustrating. But I have always found those websites to be the one that most folks prefer. Now, other forms of payment that you can look into are, you know, Zelle is used all over the place now. It's not just with uh, the big boy banks, with all sorts of banks. You could look at Zelle as a potential option. You could look at Venmo as a potential option. You can stick with the old school ways of, you know, mail me a check or deposit it into the rent collection account that you've designated for your tenant. But ultimately, what I like to do is provide a few methods so that the resident is always choosing the method that they're most comfortable with. So, you know, this day and age, 80, 90% of the folks that rent from us prefer to just use the website with no processing fee. But there's still that 10% out there that say, hey, listen, I prefer to either mail a check or drop it in a rent drop box or drop by the local bank and deposit it directly into that account because they're just unfamiliar with technology. And mm -hmm. that's fine too, but you always want to give the technological route and you want to give kind of the, the basic route, the old school route, I suppose. And as long as you can do that, you're going to capture the majority of your audience with the idea that when rent is not paid by the fifth, you're not going to get any lame excuse, like you know, the check is stuck in the mail. And, and frankly speaking, we don't accept checks to be mailed anymore because we live in an age where that's, that's no longer an excuse mm -hmm. that the check is stuck in the mail. And if it is, then you got to change your system. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's critical. The other part I'll bring up when it comes to rent collection is just making sure you understand the eviction process in your particular state, especially right now, right? In the weird, crazy world of the eviction moratoriums and what we've gone through as landlords the last 18, soon to be 24 months, right? Understanding what you can or can't do, and then having a, a few attorneys that you have working relationships with 
So when you do have that challenge, you do have that eviction, you know, either for non-payment of rent or a lease violation that you can refer to them, make sure you get your notices served properly and move through the, the court system efficiently. Because the last thing you want to do is show up in court and find out that a judge doesn't think that your case is valid based on, you know, in my opinion, based on how you serve the tenant most mm-hmm. of the time. So you want to make sure you've got a few attorneys on speed dial that have working relationships with the judge that handles evictions in your county, and then just make sure you've got your rent collection process in place. And if you could do those two things, the majority of your issues when it comes to rent collection will be tackled. Have you had much in the way of challenges with rent collection over the course of the pandemic? We've had three tenants. And ironically enough, Dave, if you were to Google CBS News Chicago back in April, I did a little piece with CBS Chicago here on a tenant that hadn't paid rent at that point. I think it was like eight months. Now we're pushing 12 months and it's been, it's been a wild ride. Um, fortunately, we were able to get some of that federal money that was issued through the state, took a little longer than expected. But really, I've only had three tenants. And out of those three, I'm really left with one that unfortunately has continued to be a bit of a burden. And it's been, you know, in my opinion, taken advantage of. Out of, out of a total of how many tenants that you're dealing with? You know, roughly about 100 right now. Okay. So, you know, let's just That's not 1%. bad. Yeah. So, 97% I mean, success during a pandemic. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of folks have had similar experiences. And, and yeah. that's speaking to the fact that, you know, the majority of people out there are indeed honest and want to do good by their fellow man. But you're always going to have the one stinker. And you're going to have to, you know, it's just going to come with the territory this day and age. That's why they pay us the big bucks, right? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Awesome, Sean. Well, time flies when we're having fun. We only got through two out of the four processes. I think you've got a, yeah, you do. You've got an ebook called Building Your Efficient Property Management System. So if people want to find out more about Sean Morrissey and, and maybe grab a copy of that book, what should they do? Yeah, you can check out our website. It's www. Chicago-realty-group.com. And yeah, you can just follow the links to the ebook. We also have it set up as an audiobook through listenable.co. And yeah, hopefully, you know, this could be of assistance to your listeners. But if you have any further questions, you can always reach out to me through the website. I'd be happy to help. Yeah. Plus, you got a podcast too. That's right. Yeah. Landlording for Life podcast for those folks looking to scale and really become self-management type of landlords it tends to be focused towards towards those folks. But we cover uh, a wide array of topics, and I think we're in you know, roughly 115, 120 podcast episodes at this point. So plug in right along. Fantastic. Sean, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.